Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Uh, if you're a kid in the place, I got good news for you. We have hot cocoa with whipped cream. I totally forgot that we have endless amounts of whipped cream back there. So um, one, one parent told their kid that it was Donut Sunday, and it is, in fact, I know Molly's like, what? It is, in fact, not Donut Sunday. So um, I, well, look what I offered instead. Like I'm, I said, well, we got bubbly water, that, which every kid in the world says, no, thank you, but... All right, so we are continuing our series, and it's called uh, We Are, uh, because if someone said, uh, like, uh, hey, what church you go to, and Heather said, it's neighborhood, right, what would people say, like, what kind of church is it, what would you say? Oh, you would just, that's my message, Heather, it's supposed to, <laughs> you nail it, it's just right on, right? Most, most people, when I tell them what kind of church, they're like, oh, so it's non-denominational, I'm like, well, we're more than a lack of denomination, all right? And I don't know, I have not updated you guys for a while. We really want to be a part of a denomination or a movement or some sort of larger community than ourselves. Um, we just haven't found one yet. We're still, we are still looking for the right partner um, because we don't want to be just a, a non-denominational or independent church for um, it, 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 our entire existence. So it's important as an organization or as a church or maybe as a family or even as an individual to be aware of um, who, who you are and where you want to be because it's really quite easy to identify all the things that you're not, especially as a church. Like, well, we're not, kinda, we're not this kind of church. We're not this kind of church. Well, what kind of church are we? Um, and so every couple of years we talk about it. Um, last week we talked about how we are a progressive community and what that means. Next week, we're talking about being a Jesus-looking community. And as Heather already stepped on my touchdown call, we are an inclusive community. Wow, you know, you know it's called prophecy. That's what it's called, right? That's what it's called, right? Um, and so what does it mean to be an inclusive community? How would we define uh, being inclusive? It's this really high intellect answer and definition. To be inclusive means we're going to spend time, energy, and capital on including people more than excluding people. Right? Yeah, it's not that hard. And it's interesting, why would, um, wouldn't every church want to say that they're inclusive? Right? So here's a practical example of what inclusive means. Um, I have some friends named Wade and Lori Johnson, and when I show up to their house, they always have my favorite drink in the fridge, every time. And, um, and every single time, and they're my neighbors, so I see them a lot. Every time I'm there, and they're like, oh, Chris, uh, you want your, your favorite drink? I feel like royalty. I'm like, well, yes, in fact, I do. Well, thank you. Why does it feel good for people to remember little things about us, right? Because someone is putting time, energy, and money into thinking about me and what I like. That is being inclusive, right? You're already actively thinking about who could be coming and maybe what would they like. Another example, I've told this story uh, several times. Uh, in seventh grade, I know it's hard to imagine, kids, uh, but I was incredibly awkward. I know. Look at me now. Look at me now. All right? Um, and like most junior hires, like I liked, 
I, I didn't know who I was. I loved playing basketball. I loved sports. I loved music. I loved DC talk. I loved, yeah, yeah. all my ex-evangelicals out there. Um, I loved, it is separate than music. Um, I loved, I loved being a Christian. Um, I loved playing outside. Like, and I felt like I had to pick one of those things, right? Because at junior high, you're still trying to find yourself, well, I can't love music and I can't be a, a jock. I have to somehow pretend to only pick one. And um, being awkward, uh, being at church was different. Uh, I went to a church that we lovingly refer to as the church where you run around and yell at how dumb the devil is, all right? It was a hyper-Pentecostal church, and um, it, I did not fit in there at, well at all. Um, and so my friend Michael Cockett invited me to go to this place called Cloquet Gospel Tabernacle, uh, which now if someone said, you want to go to the Gospel Tabernacle? I'd be like, no, I do not. Just by the name alone, right? It just feels like, no. Uh, and it was, it still is, a very, very good church. Um, but I showed up, honestly, because he told me that Christian girls will talk to you. That is the only reason. Yeah, exactly, all right? I, 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 it's the only reason I went. Like, working through my anxiety and am I going to fit in. Funny what junior high boys can accomplish if there's girls who will look them in the eye, all right? That's all it took. And I walk in, and right away, the room was buzzing, and uh, this guy named Phil walks right up to me, and he goes, hi, I'm Phil. Welcome. What's your name? And I remember, like, like looking around, looking behind me. I'm like, what? You're talking to me? Because adults, outside my parents, adults did not talk to me. They only talked to me with my fingers up my nose, or they said, where's your dad? That's the only reason an adult would ever have to talk to me. And Phil went out of his way, saw me, walked right up to me, and welcomed me. And it is the reason, amongst a couple other things, that I'm a pastor today. Because he thought about me. He was aware that junior hires might feel a bit awkward, and maybe what would they need? He, he was aware that maybe an adult could have a really positive interaction with a student, how that can make some sort of meaning. And that awkward little youth group called Cross Current is where I met Nikki, my partner, met some of my other friends, and it really shaped me, just that little idea of including people. Because I knew as a young age, I wanted to influence people. I don't know if I was going to be a teacher. Um, there was a time where I wanted to write jingles really bad, <laughs> and I'm good at it. I'm really good at it. Um, and that has nothing to do about gathering people, but, uh, um, what was I talking about? Oh, I, I knew at a young age, like if I want to have a birthday party for, I'd be like, why not have 10? To this day, I'm, I'm nicking, I'll be like, hey, we're going to have four people over. And if I'm cooking, like if we're cooking for four, let's cook for 40. <laughs> Come on. The more, the, the more, the merrier. And so that to me, being an inclusive community means that we're going to do things on purpose and with purpose. Um, in our policies, our language, in the music, that the pronouns that we use aren't always talking about God, are not always just going to be um, male, that we want to be this wildly, wildly inclusive place on purpose. And where do we get this? All right? Oh, let me pause. Um, being inclusive um, is this very, very wide canopy that covers a lot of things. It's people who might not fit the, um, the dominant normative um, identity or story that we tell one another. Right? So we're, it's easy to be included if you're a middle-aged white guy that loves playing golf. All right? I can show up pretty much anywhere, and I belong, and I can find some sort of inclusion. Um, so to be inclusive means to the, to the queer community, the LGBTQI plus community, to the, um, uh, the deaf community, to uh, different abled bodies and experiences and identities, we want to be as like expansive and inclusive on purpose. For today's 
purpose for today's message, I'm going to focus mainly on the LGBTQIA plus community. So I'm not saying it's limited to that, but I'm going to be sharing a little bit of our story of how we became an inclusive community and why we're an inclusive community. And I'm not going to talk about Romans 1, which is the most common verse that people use to exclude um, uh, people in the queer community from belonging to God or belonging to people they love. Um, and here's why. Uh, and I'm going to talk about at the end. Um, is Talking theology is really, really important. Theology is like God talk. How we think about God, how we talk about God. And people want to say, well, is it true or is it not true? Is it good or is it not good? We would say it's good and it's true, right? Or we're affirming. Um, but I want to talk something bigger. I want to get even more expansive. Not on details. I want to get of like a value of how we are. To be inclusive is a, a way of existing and being and moving. And we find that in the book of Acts. And I love telling this story. Uh, the book of Acts was uh, written by a guy named Luke, who imagined this, wrote the gospel, according to Luke. Um, and the, in chapter 1, uh, he talks about Jesus is um, resurrected, and he reteaches everything he already taught the disciples um, about the kingdom of God. He just says, I'm going to do it all over again. Why? Because with resurrection, there is something new. There's a new way of being human. There's a new way of existing, and he's going to reframe the kingdom of God in that narrative. And he's at this mountain, and he, right before he sends into heaven, he says, hey, I got a great idea. Go into all the world. Go to Chubb Lake, Moose Lake, all those places, um, and um, just those two places. Yeah, just these two places. You're going to hear of this world called Chubb Lake. Um, what am I? Oh, yeah, ascending. All right. And he says, and tell him everything I've taught you. Like every single thing. Teach him how to do what I taught you. Just continue to pass it on. Um, and he, he goes, oh, and by the way, go to this town. You're going to wait with some other people and my helper. That's what he says. My helper is going to come. So a group of people are sitting in this upper room. Um, women, they decide to let some of the men in too, right? So uh, they're in this upper room. And all of a sudden, after 40 days, there is this wind that comes down and I imagine scares everybody. And they look around and everyone has these little flames on their head, right, which would be a great party trick. And they begin to, what the Bible says, speaking in tongues, right? And if you've ever been to a charismatic service before, you ever been to a, like a Pentecostal charismatic service where people start yelling out in tongues? Exactly, all right? If you have not, if you have not, it is a different experience. I'm not saying different as in bad. There's people who find a lot of meaning in that. But if you're new to it, you'd be like, what is happening here, all right? And I happen to be in a lot of those rooms, especially in college. Um, what am I, oh, Pentecost, back to it. So, um, uh, they begin to speak uh, in tongues, which they're speaking different language. And there's this festival going on, and they begin to spill out, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And the miracle of the story, we usually attribute to that there's flames on heads, because we're like, whoa, flames. The miracle is that they went out, and they were telling the story of the kingdom of God to people in their own language. Right? They were in this region, and people are coming from all over. It's not just a radically different language. It would be using their own, like, dialect, their own, like, their um, mother tongue, right, where they have their own way of talking, maybe a little more inflection, their jokes, all of that. They are now speaking. And why is that a miracle? Because they're saying, um, you don't have to come to us. You don't have to look like us. You don't have to worship like us. You don't have to think like us. You don't have to talk like us. In fact, exactly who you are, you're included. You already belong, and you're just coming awareness, awareness of that belonging. It's not in becoming something different. It's in being fully yourself. And that, my friends, is the miracle of Pentecost. And that, that way of thinking has, is all throughout the Bible. It's all through the New Testament. 
And so if you jump to Acts chapter 10, a lot happens between 2 and 10, right? So I'm not going over that. You go to chapter 10, and there's this guy named Peter, and he's chilling on top of, like, this cafe, essentially, having a couple 13, 14 cappuccinos. Um, and he falls into this um, trance, and he has this vision. And let's say what, what we might call God um, brings down this um, sheet, right? And on this sheet, there is uh, all these different animals. And God says, Peter, big fan, first time, long time. And I want you to go um, down there, and you might be hungry from all those cappuccinos. And I want you to, like, you know, eat them. That's, you know, that's what we should do. And Peter goes, oh, God, I don't know if you heard, but um, you, like, you know, wrote this book. You told these laws of how we're not supposed to touch these, let alone eat them, because then I'll be unclean. And because I'm so good, I'm going to say no. I don't want to be unclean. God does this three times, and Peter answers, imagine this, three times, saying, um, I can't, it's unclean. Which God responds, do not, call something, do not call something unclean what I have deemed clean. Don't call something out of bounds. Don't call something bad. Don't exclude something that I'm telling you right now I have included. So Peter wakes up. And uh, all of a sudden, there's this guy there, and he's like, hey, my friend wants to talk to you. So he gets his entourage. They go to this town, and in this town, there's this guy, um, the friend. Uh, he is this, uh, this prominent man in this area, and this would be a town that would be like kind of like Duluth, like a port town, right? And people are coming from different languages, different backgrounds, different values, different ways of worshiping, different ways of thinking, different food. Um, and this guy is known to try all of it. He is a savant. He wants to experience it, and he's trying all these different spiritualities. And the one that he finds that he likes the best, that he finds most meaning in, is the Hebrew God. And he's following the laws. He, it says that he was giving alms. And uh, we know this because an angel shows up and says, hey, my man, God sees you, notices you. You're doing some amazing things. There's this guy named Peter. Call for him and bring him. That's how Peter ends up. So Peter with his entourage is standing outside of this house, and Peter has a decision to make. Because according to his law, according to what they called sacred, according to what they called holy, what made them included, what put him in right standing with God was to follow these laws, right? And that's a really good thing. It helped them be in relation with God on purpose, right? Laws are not bad. It helped them know exactly what to do to get the desired result. And so Peter's standing outside knowing the rules. That if he walks in, he's going to break several of those laws. He's going to become unclean. He's going to be separated from God. And so I imagine he has this little moment where he's thinking about this dream he just had and thinking, don't call something excluded that maybe God is included. And so before, maybe he's even thinking like, instead of excluding this guy without knowing his name, without knowing his story, without knowing the nuance and the things that he loves and maybe the kind of food, the things he knows, maybe I'm going to go in and see for myself. Right? Let's go see what happens. He walks in and um, he, he hears the guy's story. Peter stands up, and he begins to give a sermon. Peter's very famous for randomly giving sermons. I don't know if people even want to hear, right? Um, probably a lot like me. So uh, um, he begins to give this, this message, and in the middle of it, that same spirit that we saw in Acts chapter 2 happens again, and it falls out on all them, the outsiders, Right? The outsiders in the Bible called Gentiles. There's the Hebrew people, and there's everyone else. And those would be Gentiles. There's us, and there's them. And the reason that they were the us, because it kept them alive. Right? They have these laws of saying, we're not going to go to outside groups. We're not going to go to outside tribes or different groups, because what they might do might lead to our destruction or our death or our murder. 
So it's going to be us four, no more. It helped them survive, right? Now, he's standing in this house, and the same spirit that fell on Peter and his buds now fall on these outsiders. And Peter has this amazing thought. He looks around to his buddies, and he says, surely we can see. <laughs> he's like, can we all see? The same spirit that fell on us is now on them, which is wild. Because then Peter says, does anyone object that we're going to baptize? Because baptism, right, is not a sacrament. We just do it because you do it. You're doing it as a practice saying, we all belong. We all belong to this God, and we belong to one another. And we've been doing it for generations and generations. And the reason this is bonkers is because before, if you wanted to get in with this God and in with the community, you had to be like them, which meant circumcision, mainly. That's a whole book of Galatians, right? And, and, and the whole other things. In order to get included, you had to become like them. Now, you get to be fully yourself, and you're still in, which is beautiful. This is what it means to be an inclusive church. We're going to go, and we're going to see the receipts of people. We're going to go, instead of having a policy or having things up that already, before you walk in the door, can exclude you, we're done with that, right? So here's a quick little story about who we are and a little definition. Then, Chris, what's the difference between an inclusive community and a welcoming community? This is like now really eh, nerdy church talk, but I love it. Happen to be in the business, right? Um, uh, every church would say that they're welcoming, right? Every single church would say that they're welcoming. Come as you are. Um, one of my fa- I still use it this, this day that we learned from the vineyard is everybody gets to, everyone gets to play. I love that. But if you're a welcoming community, you could say that, and you're an inclusive community, you can say that. The difference is, if you're a welcoming community, especially to the LGBTQIA+, uh, um, you're saying, everybody gets to play and tell. Everyone's welcome if, and what's the if? Look like us. Worship like us. Believe like us. Um, the way you express love has to be like us. And if, if you could just pause for a moment and think about that, if you identified uh, as, uh, as uh, someone in that community, in that queer community, you can imagine the violence that could bring to you. David Gushy, who wrote, wrote a book called um, Changing Our Minds, which is by far my number one book. If you, if you are a the, the, theological um, person, that you're, you find interest in that, you want to know, like, well, what does the Bible have to say, these, these passages? Um, David, is, it's the book that moved me, because theology matters really important to me. It, like, moved me and tipped me over the edge. Um, it's called Changing Our Minds, David Gushy. Um, he says, if you're this kind of community that has the, the if community, you've created two levels of citizens in your church. You have the people. The one thing I used to say on stage um, is God's best. Just pause. Anytime you hear someone say that God's best and there's an if or there's four, you have now created a division of someone gets God's best and what's the opposite? Someone gets God's less than best? You used to say God's best is reserved, or is for a man and woman a lifelong marriage, right? You, in that statement, you're saying it to be kind. You're, you're saying it to be, I, I, they mean it to be kind and loving, but you're already saying there is this group of people and there's everyone else. And if only you could be like us, then you do get the best of God, which is not who Jesus is, Right? Nowhere do we see Jesus doing, oh, here's the elite group of people. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I should have tried harder, right? That's not, so the, the hard thing is, and I, part of my advocacy work um, is that if, um, like, if, if you said, hey, I'm going to, my sister wants to get married, or they're looking for this church at blah, 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 
Um, I will go to that church's website, and I'll see if they have anything in there about their policies. And if they don't, I reach out to them. And nine out of ten pastors are really, really great and fine meeting with me, and there's a couple that have not been. Um, and I ask them the same question. What is your policy? Um, I, I'll do it over email. I'll say this really quick, just, you know, yes or no questions. And I always start, like, you guys are doing some really good work in the community, uh, um, but w- will you marry a same-sex couple, and would you hire or ordain someone who is queer? Yes, just yes or no. That's all, it's all we need. Um, because then that helps people who maybe are um, identify as, as, as queer or trans, um, they don't have to walk into those buildings and have to hear it for themselves, which is, again, can be incredibly, incredibly violent. This is why um, students who identify in the LGBTQ, um, their mental health and uh, attempted suicides is <laughs> it's going through the roof. They just started a crisis hotline that you could text. Um, I believe it's 988, right? I'm pretty sure it's 988. Um, and they have, it, they have one that's just dedicated for queer students, and it has gone up 700% in the last six months. Why? Because all we want to do is belong. All we want to do is be included. And if you have no reason, if, if that policy is happening in your church or your institution, it, it does not cost you anything, you have no reason to see it as a threat, Right? If, if, the, if that policy says we're not going to marry these people and we're not going to, like, what if I, I met Phil and I knew I wanted to be a pastor? It was like, boom. What if I wasn't who I am? I got access to all those, that training institutions because I'm straight, because I'm a man and I'm white. If I got that and I, and I felt inspired and I got to college and they said, oh, yeah, but you can't be a pastor here. Why? Because of who you are is a threat to God. It's a threat to us. But if you, that policy is just what nameless, faceless people, then, you're, then you can look at the policy and say, oh, I'm really, I'm really sorry. Until that policy affects your kid, your cousin, your college roommate, all of a sudden, right, all of a sudden you awaken to what that policy does and how it can exclude people. So as a neighborhood church, we, got, we, we planted as a vineyard church, and we were a vineyard for three or, three or four years. And in that process... Um, I think I could say this safely. Nikki and I both individually um, started to question and think through of like, um, why do we have this policy? Why do we have this policy in place that already excludes people before they walk in the door? It doesn't seem like of the traditions that we learned in that movement, the values we learned, doesn't really line up. So we started, I started talking uh, to other people. I started reading a lot, listening to a lot of podcasts. And what moved for me was sitting down and having um, uh, a couple drinks with queer Christians. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, whatever I thought this was, this has a face, a story, something passionate and beautiful. And I see Christ, just like Peter. Do we all see this? The Holy Spirit's moving on this person. And all of a sudden, a bride owned life saying, oh, what if everybody gets to play really can mean everyone. So what we did, after talking to a staff, talking to our leaders, talk, and as a board, we unanimously, um, what we say, agreed that we are going to transition to becoming neighborhood communities so that we could stand with everybody and say all are welcome, and it really means all are welcome. And what I, the conversation I had with people, because there, there were several people that were not as excited about this decision. And what I told them was, I'm going to put this right over here, right? 
what I told him was, we have this table. I don't know if you can see this online. Um, we have this table right here, and on this table, we have this policy. And this policy, you know, excludes a significant amount of people that we believe are included. And w part of being inclusive is that you don't have to agree with us. <laughs> like, we don't have to agree on everything. I know some movements that you have to sign off on 28 statements of faith before you can become a member of the church. And if you disagree with one of them, you can't belong, right? And to them, belonging is agreeing or all being the same. And if that's how you want to spend energy, I'm happy for you. But you could hold that value, right? I can think of one family. If you want to hold that value that you believe that Romans 1 is interpreted that, you, that God might exclude or that God's best is reserved for only straight people, I disagree with you. But that's, if that's how you want to find belonging, if that's how you want to believe who God is, if that brings you liberation and inclusion and love and value, and that's what you want to tell your kids, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Um, go, go for it. But can you, like, sit at a table with, like, a queer couple? Could you high-five the trans kid that's walking, in, walking into class? Could you take communion with someone that might identify different as you? And every single person I talked to said, absolutely. I said, great. That's great, because all we're doing is we're going to take that policy off the table. And we're, we're going to say everybody can sit at this table, and you can believe that, and they can believe this, but we're not going to exclude anymore. And what I learned is by removing that policy, did something. Because when you have that policy on the table, it's not I believe, it's we believe. And it's not I think, or I interpret the Bible this way. You can say, you can meet with someone who's an ally or someone who's queer and be like, oh, I, phew, my bad. I, I, we, we can't do that. I'm sorry. Why? We have a policy. When you pull it off, you have to clarify what it is that you believe. You have to put language. It's not my church. is I believe that what you are doing or who you are is less than. And so people do not like that. <sighs> right? I th it is critically important to clarify who you believe God is and who you are, and how you show up in the room. I said this last week. Whatever your theology is, it has to be public or you're playing a game. It has to have bone and grit and blood. It has to have story and nuance. Because if it's just a thought, then it's just a thought. And no longer could we sit by and let that policy exclude people. So what did we do? We did the same thing that Peter had to do. Peter saw a new way of God moving, and he had to go back to his buddies, to his crew, to his council, and say, hey, whatever we were doing before, something's in the air, and we're going to join this. And they had to reorganize. They had to find new language. And this is most of New Testament. Paul talking about there was this one way of doing, and now there's a whole new operation, and let me give you some guidance on how to do it. Peter and Paul are both saying, we can't unsee what we have seen. And as neighborhood church, we could not unsee what we have seen. And so, to be inclusive meant that we had to change some policies. It meant we had to change our language. It meant that we had to, um, sadly, we, ha we knew we would lose money. We'd lose people. We'd lose friendships. We'd, we weren't planning on losing family, right? There's a lot, but why? Because to be inclusive costs you something. And why? Because we're always going to include the other. We're always going to include the other. Instead of saying, come be like us, then you can come in. 
be like us, then you get the good stuff. It is significantly harder to be out there and including. So here's my invitation. Um, and I've, ne- I've, never been, I've never been more proud to be a pastor of this kind of church. Right? I really, really do. I don't just, I do love my job. I love belonging to this, to this community. I, I would, yeah, I wouldn't do it any other way. Um, I wish there was another way of doing it. <laughs> I wish it was an easier way of doing it. But I believe, I think this is who Christ is, is to belong and is to include. So my, my word and my encouragement to you is this. If you've ever been excluded from family or a friend, a coworker at college, a church, pastor, an elder, based on not what you do, but who you are. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And you have, and to, those wa- to those watching online, <laughs> right? You, you, are, you are absolutely included here, and you belong. And the same spirit of God that's in me is in you. And I'm thankful for it, and I'm here for it. So I'm going to pray. I'd love to have you join me. So God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the miracle in Acts chapter 2. It's not a party trick. It's that this God's on the move, and you don't have to be anything other than who you are. So I ask God that you help all of us, again, awaken that there's a good and beautiful God that wants nothing but good and beautiful things for us and for us to be fully ourselves. And I pray you'd help us as individuals and as a community to continue to be inclusive. Because I imagine that there's still things in us and in this community where we still have obstacles that we might see or we don't see. That we continue to evolve, we can continue to progress to be a beautiful, inclusive community. So thank you, God, for your spirit. And we love you. Amen. All right. As always, if there's something you'd like to process... Oh, I totally forgot. <sighs> Jamie, this is a th- big point. If, if you want, right, I said we're going to talk about Romans 1. We have a small group coming up that our friend Cody, who's going to be leading, um, and they're going to go through David Gushy's book, one, uh, a couple different books. So it's going to be a book group. So if you want to know, like, hey, how does the Bible, how do we reconcile what the Bible says and what we believe, it's, it, you'll, it will be on our website. We'll announce it soon. But I just want to give... Uh, props that there is a place if you want to process and study and read together it's happening soon but if you want to talk now i'm up here until the lights are off uh go vikes have a good sunday